The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Western bacon cheeseburger cheese bacon western bacon cheese burger I'm talking Carl Jr. pick it up western bacon cheeseburger Carl Jr. pick it up Hello, and welcome. This is the Arrowhead Pride post-game podcast, Facebook Live, whatever you want to call it. Joining you right now, 11.51 Arrowhead time, Halloween Eve. Nine minutes away from Halloween. We'll, we'll get there before the end of this podcast uh, and post-game show, my name's Pete Sweeney with Arrowhead Pride. And the Chiefs win against the Denver Broncos, get back to their winning ways, which was super important in this game because you don't want to continue to fall in the quicksand of, you, know, you get a couple losses here and there, and then all of a sudden, you know, two losses turns into three, which turns into four. So really nice to see the Chiefs get back on track. And uh, let's get into some takeaways from this bad boy. First things first, uh, you knew pretty good chance Steve Nelson would be back. You knew that there was a pretty good chance that Mitch Morse would be back. But the surprise of the night was there was a new starting cornerback at the right cornerback position in Kenneth Acker and the Nelson replacing gains in the slot helped, but really what was the biggest help is that Acker had a pretty good game and not that Denver has the most explosive offense, but listen, this is still an offense in the NFL and he had a, he had a nice job. PFF came out with the numbers already. Marcus Peters was thrown at four times, uh, two completions, for 12 yards and interception, Kenneth Acker was thrown at seven times, five completions for 66 yards, and Acker is able to get the interception. So hard to really tell detail-wise how did Acker do on every play, but uh, you look at those numbers, 
and you sort of remember what has happened these past two weeks with Antonio Brown and Amari Cooper really having super, super nice games, uh, really ugly yardage against the Chiefs. Demarius Thomas only held to 66 yards tonight. So you really like to see that. And Kenneth Acker, maybe, just maybe, you finally have a solution there at the right cornerback position. We knew it had been a weakness for the Chiefs for, for a pretty long time now. Again, it's one game. Uh, it's against Denver offense that is really not that great right now. But still, you got what you wanted in Kenneth Acker filling in in that spot. I did mention it already, but for my second point, uh, you had Nelson, Mitch Morse back. They tested Steve Nelson early, but he looks good. Also from PFF, there were six throws that went Nelson's way. Only one of them was completed, and that was for 29 yards. So you really like to have Nelson back. I think the difference that you, you sort of felt in this game was that the Chiefs defense at least seemed like they were getting things back on track after two weeks when you really were starting to lose a little bit of confidence in them. Also good to have Mitch Morse back in the lineup. Again, until you see the All-22, you don't really know how Mitch Morse did. I made the point in our head pride in my articles to say when the Chiefs had that initial starting offensive line, you felt a lot better about that offense than you have with some of these replacements, Cam Irving there at the right guard position, Zach Fulton at center. So what the Chiefs did tonight with Mitch Morse back at center, they slide Zach Fulton over, you know, that jack of all trades. He's able to play any position. And again, you got that feeling, I think, especially early that the Chiefs offense could do a little bit more. And uh, what you have to realize is this is the best defense in the league. So maybe wasn't exactly what you wanted to see offensively. We'll get into some of what happened with Alex Smith tonight. But again, keeping in mind that this is an elite defense in the league, 29 points, it's pretty good. Pretty good uh, output for the Chiefs offense. Travis Kelsey was back involved. That's point number three. Looked pretty good tonight. Had a big, big third and five play. Made a nice catch when the Chiefs needed it. Again, it was a, a situation in the game where the Broncos, you know, they sort of just were hanging around and were able to cut the game to seven points. And the Chiefs were facing third and five. If if the Broncos hold them at that point, maybe have a different result to this game. You never know how games can kind of tailspin. So that was a big play by Travis Kelsey. He finishes with seven receptions for 133 yards and a touchdown. Really interesting touchdown dance tonight. Maybe quick quick dance evaluation for Travis Kelsey. Looked like it was a, a reverse running man. Finishes by raising the roof. I said it in my best and worst article on ourheadpride.com. I happen to think that raising the roof was out, but apparently if Travis Kelsey's doing it, it's back in. Kareem Hunt joins him at the end of the dance. He was doing the raising the roof. So listen, if raising in the roof is, is back in and, and that's what's cool again, I'm going to start doing it, especially uh, on the weekends and maybe at the end of weeknights. Touchdown dance grade, B-plus for Travis Kelsey tonight on that touchdown dance. Number four, Alex Smith, not the greatest night for him. Seemed like he was kind of getting run down by some of these pass rushers that Denver has. And, you know, it's a very, very, very impressive unit. A lot of the time, Smith seemed like he was having to run to the sideline and kind of dump it off. What you like about Alex Smith is he's never going to throw bad balls that are dangerous to get to get intercepted by the other team, kind of change the game. So, you know, he, he didn't see a lot there tonight. And again, this is an elite Denver defense, and uh, you're happy that he didn't throw an interception, but his accuracy took a big hit tonight, came into the game 72% accuracy, only 14 of 31. That's sub-50 
percent tonight, 202 yards, and he had the, he had the touchdown. 29 points again against this Denver defense is really impressive. Hard to not mention Harrison Butker, who misses the first field goal of, of his career and hasn't missed since. And, you know, it's not really even close. Like, I, I think sometimes you have with these kickers, you know, they, they, they kick the ball and, and it's, you know, there's some doubt. Maybe it hits the, the crossbar, something like that. Now, these are, these are right down the middle usually. There's never really any doubt that they're going to go through the uprights. He hits from 25, from 32, from 43, from 51, from 42. They call him buttkicker.com right now. If you go to buttkicker.com, it's automatic. So you really like to see that. And, you know, this was a 10-point game tonight. But, you know, you miss a field goal early on. Maybe you don't get, the, get a field goal late. You get your, your uh, confidence rattled a little bit. But a 10-point game is 10 points because Butker was making the field goals. He, if he misses one or two there, you know, the Broncos are still very much alive at the end of this game. Last point, Chiefs were, I thought the decision to let Tyreek Hill throw the football based upon what was happening in the game, I, I think it just was a little too too cute and a little strange. Hard for you to really question the play calling of Andy Reid because he's such an offensive mastermind. He's basically created a new offense this year. There are so many things that you could compliment about Andy Reid and this offense, but just the Denver team had not scored any, they didn't score any points last week. So here you have an opportunity to go with three scores at the beginning of a game and you give it to Tyree kill who, who is going to throw the football. I just think there are so many things that could go wrong there where if you run the football, if you do a little bit more conservative passing plays with your quarterback and Alex Smith, you're guaranteeing that you're at least getting the field goal and a three score game against a team that wasn't able to score at all last week would have been a little bit more demoralizing. Again, the, Bron- the Broncos' offense is not that good. So what happens is they did get a little juice from the play, and they were able to put a field goal. But, be- again, because the Denver offense isn't that good, not really able to take advantage of what was turned out to be a mistake in letting Tyreek Hill throw a ball and get the interception. Again, he has the most interceptions on the team, more so than Alex Smith, which is kind of weird to say at this point. Who would have thought that week eight would be the first interception and it wouldn't even be Alex Smith throwing the football. It was Tyreek Hill. But uh, again, just, I just thought it was a really curious decision. A a little, you know, it was sort of a gimmick play. I think if it works, all of a sudden you're like, man, that was the smartest play in the world. But since it didn't, you know, it just could have, could have changed the game in the wrong direction. I just thought it was a little curious, but even with that being said, and and that's something like I have to mention is Andy Reid, it's so smart when it comes to offensive play calling. You know, there could be reasons that we don't even know. Maybe he just was feeling really confident about the play, would, would catch Denver off guard. Again, Chiefs lucky that it did not cost them the game and it didn't go uh, and tailspin out of hand. I thought five turnovers uh, for the Chiefs is very good. You like to see Ron Parker get an interception as well as Marcus Peters and Kenneth Acker able to force two fumbles tonight. Really, really good. Jamal Charles, unfortunately, not the greatest night for him uh, when it comes to return. Only eight carries for 39 yards. And really, at the beginning of this game, what was interesting is Jamal was looking pretty good. On the, I believe it was the second Denver drive where he was seemed to be getting into a rhythm. He had a really nice 18-yard run. And then all of a sudden, Marcus Peters just rips the ball out of his grasp, and he returns it all the way for a touchdown and that first score. And I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I get that he's a Denver Bronco now, but you really felt a little bit for for Jamal because 
I think that he was going to get into a rhythm in these games. Sometimes you see it with these running backs where if they can get in an early rhythm, you know, it looked like he could have been a factor the whole game. C.J. Anderson hadn't really done anything on that first drive and then pretty demoralizing for Jamal and his comeback to, you know, lose the football and Marcus Peters able to take it the 45 yards for the touchdown. It kind of reminded you of when the Chiefs two years ago were playing the Denver Broncos and it looked like it was going to go into overtime, but all of a sudden Jamal fumbles and the Broncos bring the football back. It's just funny how the world works. Sometimes things come full circle, and that was a really big deja vu moment for me. But, you know, good to see Jamal have a job. Good to see them, him have a role in the team. And uh, I, I think it was nice to have him back at Arrowhead Stadium tonight. Now, I also need to mention the injuries for this game. D Ford and Albert Wilson both left early. D Ford's back tightened up, according to Andy Reid. As far as Albert Wilson goes, his hamstring tightened up. But those are my five takeaways for this game. Again, a 29-19 to victory for the Chiefs. That improves them to 6-2 and two on the season, which is now a three-way tie on top of the AFC with the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers do have the tiebreaker with those two teams. So if the playoffs started today with those records, it would be Pittsburgh, Kansas City with that second bye, and the Patriots below uh, Kansas City. All right. So that's my thoughts on the game. Let's get to your questions and thoughts. Jim Younghands, will Elliott be on the field next week? Yes, if you didn't hear this news, Ezekiel Elliott, the law did not go in his direction tonight. I don't know the exact terms for it, but basically he's still suspended as of right now. I have been reading some tweets online that said that he can still perhaps appeal again. So there is a chance, I believe, that that could mean he'd be back. He would be there with the Cowboys next week. But nothing is official and set in stone for next week yet. As of right now, he is suspended, so he wouldn't be playing against the Chiefs. It just remains to be seen. I I don't know what direction the Cowboys are going to go in. You know, at this point, if I'm Ezekiel Elliott, I I realize at some point I'm going to get suspended, whether it be for the six games or for the less. You know, I don't don't know how it's going to end up happening. What I'd want to do is, the Cowboys are going to be in a position to potentially make the playoffs. I don't, I don't want to get it out of the way. And that way, maybe you're back for the playoffs with some fresh legs. And who knows if you get a wild card spot. But ideally for the Chiefs is that the suspension remains and then he won't play next week. But again, I don't think we'll know for sure until we get a little bit later in this week and the legal process kind of shakes its way out. I am no legal expert, but I do know that the Chiefs will be better off if Elliott is not playing next week. Manuel Archuleta says, I really feel a trade coming. What do you think, cornerback? You know, you saw the Garoppolo trade tonight. It seems like teams are a little bit more active this year. We saw Brett Veach. He seems like an aggressive GM based upon what we've seen, you know, this offseason. Um, I don't know. You know, he went. And he, he made that trade with Buffalo Bills to get Reggie Ragland. I, I wouldn't rule anything out. I really liked what I saw from Kenneth Acker tonight. Not that I think he's like the savior but it made you feel a little bit better about the situation with Steve Nelson, who's really, really good in the slot, coming back and sliding into that position. And then, I mean, we read the numbers. Kenneth Acker had a good night. Again, this isn't the best offense in the world, but you like what you saw, at least through one game and what you have in Kenneth Acker. Are there cornerbacks out there? I mean, it remains to be seen. I don't know if the Chiefs will be aggressive. And you have to, you have to think, too, it's a cap space thing. So I think I believe they're right up against it. So any move they make... They're going to end up having to figure out that cap as well. How many games do you think we will win this year? 
Right now, you're at six and two. I don't see I don't see any reason that this team can't have a similar season to last year, where you you, you kind of match that in the second half, so you end up finishing twelve and four. A lot of it, a lot of the questions that that it comes up with a final record or injuries and things like that. There's so much that you can't predict, but I think this team is pretty good. I think you got one of the best offenses in the league. You have Andy Reid, and if you can figure out this defense and what we saw tonight from Kenneth Acker is real or like we just mentioned, you go get a cornerback or an, another member of the secondary to improve it. I, you know, you, you never know. I, I think this is a team that's really capable and will be in the mix for one of those buys at the end of the season. Tim Lee, can we quit pretending Philip Gaines isn't a liability? I, I think that's an interesting question or a statement by you because I, I don't think anyone's pretending he's not in a liability. He, he didn't play tonight. You know, they, they benched him, essentially. And Terrence Mitchell also was taken out as well. So... Yeah, I, I think people realize that these guys were were not playing as well, were weaknesses, and, and that's why you saw the change tonight and worked so far. Uh, it remains to be seen if this continues, if if they get other shots, other looks. But uh, yeah, Gaines just didn't play as much tonight, and and the only time I really remember noticing him is when he negated the penalty on that special teams play, pushing Benny Fowler into Tyree Kill. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think anyone's pretending at this point. What pass was worse, Tyree Kill interception or Simeon to Acker? For those of you that follow me on Twitter, as soon as I saw that pass from Trevor Simeon to Marcus Peters, uh, I, th- I thought that was one of the worst passes I had seen all year. It literally hit Marcus Peters in the chest. Then Tyree Kill throws, had to be the worst pass that I've seen in like five years uh, on his pass, and then Simeon somehow tops to Tyree Kill pass. There were th- those were three... Those three passes tonight by those, those, those well, I, I shouldn't say those quarterbacks, by Trevor Simeon and Tyree Kill, those three passes are some of the worst passes in the NFL that you'll ever see. I, I, it was like almost shocking. I was almost shocked watching those passes. Uh, I, I would say the worst pass of the night had to be the one where Trevor Simeon just decided to throw across his body. And for those of you who follow the Madden Sim, that exact play happened. Ter- but Terrence Mitchell was the one in the Madden Sim who intercepted it in this game, it was Kenneth Acker, but yeah, uh, apparently Trevor Simeon sometimes, I think when he's feeling himself, will sometimes throw across his body and a victim to three picks tonight. Damian Carmona asks, will we ever cut Fisher or trade with trade him? I think Fisher gets a bad rap. I, he did have that really bad play that was highlighted on the broadcast tonight, but uh, no, I, I don't believe that Fisher, Eric Fisher is headed anywhere. I think that's the left tackle that they see for this team. Alexander Montenegro says Smith looked shaky at times and missed a few touchdowns today. He did. I mean, there was that one play with Tyree Kill where it seemed like he overthrew him a little bit. There were a little bit of uh, miscues. I noticed even on some of the Travis Kelsey receptions, the throws were a little bit high. I don't think you're going to have a perfect game every week, and I don't don't think having an off week means that Alex Smith is suddenly a, a, a bad quarterback sometimes you're not going to get into the end zone as much as you want and that's what's good about Harrison Butker I think if you look at this final score Alex Smith did enough to get the Chiefs into field goal range and and that's what you want 29 points on the Denver defense that's a pretty big deal I I just think I I really I I really do I want to stress that even though the offense didn't feel great and it didn't look great tonight the end of the game you get 29 points on the board against the number one defense so that means that every other team that you're you're going to see 
you know, and Denver was and Denver was getting healthier tonight too. You saw Shane Ray back, but every other team that you're going to see the rest of the year is going to be a little bit easier to score against than Denver. So I don't know. I think yeah, maybe not the best game for Alex Smith, but but at the end of the day, as a Chiefs fan, you should be happy with this performance and this win. Bryce Willis asks, "Is it time to replace Demetrius Harris? The dude has ping pong paddles for hands." <laughs> Uh, yeah, quite a few drops, it seems like, for Demetrius Harris. And there were these reports in training camp that he was trying new things to stop those drops from happening. Yeah, I, I mean, tonight, tonight there was a touchdown that would have been clear touchdown, and he, he dropped it in the end zone. I, I'm not I, – I actually really do like Demetrius Harris, but you do realize that in a second tight end, you, you'd rather he be catching these balls than not. And, and so – I don't think the replacement that you speak of is going to come out of the blue. I don't see like the Chiefs tomorrow at you know on as the deadline approaches going to get a second tight end. I just don't anticipate that. Plus, the Andy Reid playbook is one of the toughest to grasp. That's why I don't know how confident I'd be about the Chiefs ever really trading for an, an offensive player, just because the the like the playbook is just notoriously known for being complicated. So. One thing that Demetrius has on his side is he's been here for a long time, so he knows the playbook. So uh, I don't think they're gonna that Demetrius is going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, same thing with Ross Travis. I think they they like what they have in those three guys. And yeah, I don't think they're number one tight ends in this league, but that's why they're in their number two and number three roles. Someone is mentioning cutting the Anthony Thomas. I don't anticipate that ever happening. The coaching staff really loves him a little bit too much. See a lot of you guys are asking about Tano Passano, or as my buddy Sean Barber calls him, the Rova from Villanova. Uh, I just at this point kind of get the feeling that the Chiefs think he's raw. I mean, you saw a little bit of him of him tonight. Uh, really, really good physical attributes. He's huge, two hundred ninety-seven pounds, six foot eight. Uh, I, it seems, and we talked a little bit about it, about it on the last podcast. It just seems like. It's sort of a redshirt year for Tano Passanio, and maybe as time goes on and the coaching staff gets more confident in him, you could see him a little bit more at the end of the season or for a playoff run. But, yeah, it should be interesting because D. Ford originally was maybe questionable to come back with that back, but then they ruled him out pretty quickly. So you wonder if these back problems are going to linger and maybe you see a little bit more of him next week. Remains to be seen. You know, Frank Zamba was taking most of those snaps tonight. No word on Tom Bahali yet. I see a couple of you guys asking about Tom Bahali. No word yet. Uh, there is the f- We're now in the midst of the five-week window when they would have to activate him. If I had to guess, taking my best guess about Bahali, I think what they'll want to do is try to keep him as fresh as possible and maybe use him for a change of pace, linebacker, and activate him late later on in this five-week period than earlier on. But again, it's just been a weird situation with that one in particular, and I, you just don't know at this point. Damian Carmona asks, do you think it's DJ's last season? I think if you watched him very closely this year, it does. you do get the feeling that for the first time, and you hadn't been able to say this in previous seasons, that he's like a little bit slower. And it's, it's, I don't know if he's, it's reacting to um, certain plays, but... Yeah, I finally, finally have gotten to the point where I, too, agree that, you know, maybe this could be the end for DJ. And if it is, man, is this a good team to be on for what could be your final season? But 
he had a great fourth fourth and five play tonight, or fourth and four, I believe it was, where it was his guy that Trevor Simeon tried to hit, and, and this was still at a point in the game where the Broncos get something going. Maybe they make it a game at the end, but Derek Johnson with a really nice pass breakup. So, you know, I, you, you like seeing that in really like Jamal Charles, a player that's been here for a long, long, long time. Uh, still good enough to help the Chiefs. But again, yeah, I, I can kind of see where maybe this could be the end for DJ. Who will be the glue for the D if DJ leaves? I think that would fall in the hands of Eric Berry. And you'd sort of expect Eric Berry to be back in the beginning of 2018. Jacob Holub asked, do you think Tama coming back will help all that much? Here's what I think about it. What do you really have in D Ford? I mean, he just isn't as... I'd rather see an alternative, and I understand Tama's older, but he's also supposedly, or at least looks on his Instagram account, has fresh legs and has been working out and is going to be strong and ready. Like, It's weird to say, but at this point... Well, who's better? Is it Tom Bahali who's older but fresh and maybe can, can provide you a boost? Or is it D Ford who really hasn't had any impact on this defense the whole year? It's been up and down injuries. Joel said it the other day on our podcast. You didn't even notice when he wasn't in, you know, you, you can't even really remember which games he didn't play in it. If Justin Houston is a player who can wreck games, like D4 just seems like the opposite of that. Like, I just don't. So my thought on Tamba is if D4, if you have D4 in front of me, you say, do you want D4 to what's behind door B? I think I'm ready to see what's behind door B just because I don't, I don't feel good about D4 on that side. Juan Sabino Marquez Sr. So that's a, that's a mouthful for your name. Uh, do you think that our offense has peaked already? I don't think so. Andy Reid has one of the most creative minds in the league and changes it up every game. And there are certain matchups that he, he likes. And if you noticed, it kind of seems like each week he relies maybe on one of the different members of the three-headed monster, and that's Tyree Kill, Kareem Hunt, and Travis Kelsey. Tonight was a Travis Kelsey night. Maybe next week against the Cowboys it'll be a Kareem Hunt night. But there's so many different ways you could go about game planning Andy Reid is the best to do it. I don't think the offense peaked early. I, I think, as I've said a couple times on the show, you ran into a really good Denver defense. And Chiefs performed tonight. You never, you're not going to get touchdowns every game, 29 points against the number one defense. You know, I don't, I, I don't think anything's peaking. I think you're right where you want to be. Good mention by Larry. Mitch Schwartz had an f- outstanding night against Von Miller. Von Miller is the type of player like Justin Houston that could really ruin your offensive game plan. Mitch Schwartz completely neutralized Von Miller tonight. There were some plays, of course, where Von Miller is going to win, but for the most part, Mitch Schwartz won the night. I don't see Eric Berry coming back in the playoffs. I think you're looking at 2018. LDT was working out this week. I think he's close. I think you see LDT next week. I don't see any more questions, so that's it. It's officially Halloween. It's time for you all to put on your masks. Go get some. If you have some kids, be safe trick-or-treating. Uh, as far as the Chiefs go, back on track. You're 6-2 and two, midway through the year. I think you really want to get home field advantage in the bye, and now is the time of year where, where they're going to do it. 
you get through that second fourth of the year. We're now into the third, fourth uh, of this season, and, and it remains to be seen now how the Chiefs do down the stretch. But as far as tonight goes, really good night. 29 points on the number one defense. You like to see that if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Six and two record. They win 29-19. Uh, this week, the, the shows will be changing up a little bit. We won't have a Tuesday show because Sean Barber will be out of the country, so we will be doing the Thursday show. It should be a little bit different. But until then, just check OurHeadPride.com right now. we got a game recap. we got best and worst up on the site, and uh, it should be a good evening. So, anyway, Chiefs win it. 29-19, improved to 6-2. and two. Thank you for joining me on the Arrowhead Pride post-game show. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.